Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Made in Ukraine Tech Startup Edition, a monthly podcast series about Ukrainian tech and IT companies and the Ukrainian tech ecosystem. Today, as our guest, we have Kira Rudik, who has been a member of parliament in Ukraine since 2019. She is also the first deputy chairman of the Verkhovna Rada of Ukraine Committee on Digital Transformation, leader of the Holos Party, and former COO of the company Ring Ukraine. Welcome, Kira. How are you? Hi, Mike. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for coming on Made in Ukraine today. So it's been a while. We last talked in June of 2018 while you were still COO at Ring Ukraine. And I'm sure your world has really changed a lot since then. <laughs> but to, to recap on your background, which we did back then, can you give this audience some background, both professional and educational, about yourself? Um, sure. So I have a master's degree in computer science from obtained in Kiev Mahila Academy here in Kiev. Uh, I was also taking a couple of courses in Stanford uh, on women leadership and uh, general management. Uh, so that to ramp up my uh, general education. In uh, 2001, I started as a QA engineer. So it was a uh, the most basic work that the market provided at that point. And then I grew to become a leader of the small team, then a bigger team. And at some point, uh, I became a manager. In the middle of my career, I moved to US and worked there at a startup called My Media uh, as a leader of the QA engineers. And uh, afterwards, I returned to Ukraine and started my own business. I worked as a private entrepreneur, basically <laughs> worked. Uh, I was a private entrepreneur and uh, I had clients in United States and uh, engineers uh, in Kiev. So, and I was the um, connection between them. So that's now called uh, by a fancy word, outsourcing business. But at that point, it was just like a, having a small company that was doing some, uh, some QA and engineering work. In 20, early 2016, I was uh, leading a team of 100 people uh, that was called Tech Team Labs. And uh, at the early 2016, uh, I started a company that was called Sprint 42, also an outsourcing company, outsourcing and outstaffing. And one of the first clients that we had was Ring. Ring is a, a smart doorbell company. Now it's a smart security company for the smart security home company. And um, they were our first clients. Uh, we started with just three people in Kiev office. We opened an R&D office of Ring at uh, that point. The results that the office provided were so successful that we agreed with Ring to increase the presence here in Ukraine. And then at some point, they, we grew first to, from three to like 20 people, then to 50 people, then to 100, then to 200. And at, uh, in 2018, at the time of Amazon acquisition, and I would like to remind that uh, Ring was acquired by Amazon in 2018 
by uh, over a billion dollars. We had around 700 people in Kiev office working there. These 700 people uh, were mainly engineers and um, QA staff, and they were doing uh, different kinds of cutting-edge research work. So it was not like an outsourcing of something that like China or India didn't want to do. The main empowering piece here was that it was a cutting-edge technology that were developed in Ukraine particularly. And I'm proud uh, to say that we were one of the major offices at the time of the acquisition, and we took a big part in the acquisition. So for Amazon, it was second largest acquisition at the point. The first one was Whole Foods, and uh, I think it was a couple of billion dollars, and then it was us. And basically, after that, I turned from being a Kira startupper to Kira merging one big corporation to another big corporation. And it was uh, really fun for, uh, I think, a year or so. And then the changes in Ukraine happened. And so what made you decide to run for parliament? <laughs> so in early 2019, I would like to remind our, our audience that in early 2019, the window of overton was open. So it was a rare window of opportunity for young, new politicians to come to power and work for their country. At that point, I already understood all the challenges of the major acquisitions, uh, all the challenges of the business in Ukraine, especially running large businesses in Ukraine. And we'll talk about it later. And uh, I understood for sure that first, there was no way for Amazon to come officially to Ukraine. There was no way for them to like open their official office in Ukraine. Second, that for me to repeat the success, there should, uh, should have been some significant changes in how, how business uh, in Ukraine operates and how the interaction with the government work. And I was looking for ways to change it. I will give you a quick story as an example. So imagine us in lieu of uh, acquisition, we are all worried. I'm super worried for 700 people working in the office so that like, so that they wouldn't lose their jobs after the acquisition. And I was uh, lobbying Ukraine as a, as a platform where the company could actually grow, not as a platform where they could just hire people. And so during the due diligence process, Amazon is requesting actually a write-up on Ukraine business government relations. And one of the top four companies in Kiev is offering their help. And I'm calling them and saying, I know that you're working on it. I'm not trying to influence you or anything, but I'm telling you that it's very important for the country that we will look good in this review. So, and then they are providing the review and I'm telling you, it's a, a March of 2018. So the review states, the first sentence, there were no pressure on business since January of 2018. So we were so proud at that point that for three months, there were like no interruption of businesses, no uh, pressure from uh, government officials, nothing for three months. That was our achievement at the point. And everybody was looking at me saying, ha, Kira, look at, we try to help. So that was actually terrifying. And I knew that being a leader of the company would not be enough to change it in a broader perspective. 
So then when in 2019, uh, I think it was beginning of the year when Svetoslav Vakarchuk was gathering a team of young, talented professionals who would want to change their country, he approached me and asked me to join his team. And I was thinking a lot about it. And, you know, probably you never want to be a politician when you are a child. But when the opportunity comes, arrives, uh, you just think, okay, I need to take it because it's probably once in a lifetime opportunity. So there were two reasons. I wanted to change things, uh, the way the things were going in the country at the, at the time. And second, I really wanted to seize the, the opportunity. So that's how I was elected into to Ukrainian parliament. And that's how I'm actually in politics for like a year and a half now. So that was back in 2019 when you were actually elected. And today we're sitting here, it's uh, January of 2021. What have you seen so far? What has changed? What are the challenges regarding the tech ecosystem in Ukraine? So it all goes back to what I learned about politics. And here are a couple of things, and they actually influence a lot the tech ecosystem. First, is the, everything that you are doing nationwide is extremely slow because there are many stakeholders, because there is usually no unity between them, and because actually the governmental system is a, the super complicated system of checks and balances that is not supposed to be fast. It's just like not built to be fast to prevent things from rapidly changing to worse but they also cannot change to better. They cannot improve. And that's one of the challenges that we are facing. So we had many great ideas about how the tech ecosystem should change back in 2019, but they are still not implemented by 2021, just because people are still in negotiations. There are different parties that are taking parts and discussing things and figuring out what will be the best way to proceed. And in this matter, it was very surprising for me because I, I used to the startup world where things should move fast, they should break and they should move faster and faster. And here on like on the other side, it is, it is different. It is Things are super, super, extremely slow. Verkhovna Rada and we are, as members of parliaments, we are working on the legislative part. So we are setting the rules of how things should work. But by the time these things would actually work, I think there will be like another couple of years for them to work. And that's that will be the challenge because we may not be in the politics at that time already. But still, I'm super happy about this fantastic opportunity and uh, I'm working very hard for things to change. So uh, back to the tech ecosystem. The main thing we need to discuss regarding uh, Ukrainian tech is that it was doing very well without uh, any government interactions. So it was separate. Nobody was uh, having any influence on it. And uh, that's why it developed and advanced so fast and so far. The total value of uh, Ukrainian tech in export is over $5 billion. It's second export industry in Ukraine after agriculture. That's fantastic results. And we see from 10 to 15% growth year over year. We understand that the last year was actually I would say different, <laughs> but before that we have seen a stable growth 
uh, that was mainly provided by having government not being involved into it, not being able to regulate the tech ecosystem. So here we need to step back and say like, how does it look? What does the industry want? What does the government want? And uh, see how we can adjust all of these things so they could work for everybody's benefit. So how the tech ecosystem looks right now, we have uh, like top 50 big IT companies who are working mainly as a service companies, outsourcing and outstaffing that dominate on the market that they're like a 90% of the market. We have 5% of the smaller middle companies uh, that are that are working on their like uh, smaller outsourcing projects. And we have like around 5% of startups. I may be making up these uh, numbers, but the overall view is like that. Uh, what does the government want? Uh, they want money to stay in the country and they want obviously to raise taxes a little bit because now the whole industry is working on the 5% tax and it feels like, like things that could change a little bit. And the third thing uh, is they want uh, clarity on how many IT, uh, IT team members uh, are there, what are they doing, and having all the, co the companies registered somewhere, uh, not somewhere, but in Ukraine. The, the government also wants to invest in startups because uh, this is how we, where we see the added value is extremely high and that could also stay in the country. Because one of the um, main issues, and I'm sure we will be talking about it uh, moving forward, is uh, the huge uh, amount of people that are leaving the country. And uh, this loss of talent is uh, hardly replaceable. That's why all the initiatives right now are concentrated on keeping it in-house. So what does the industry want? The industry wants low taxes. The industry wants status quo. And they want predictability, saying like that no, no other new government will come and say, OK, we will raise your taxes. Uh, there will be new, new uh, rules in the game. And also, the tech ecosystem is interested in having startups in Ukraine but not as much because as you understand, it consists of mostly outsourcing, outstaffing service companies. So we all like, generally we are all interested in it, but nobody wants to raise taxes, to increase taxes. So there will be, could be some, some um, additional startups developed in Ukraine. Now, what can we do about it? And what are we doing about it right now? There are three main challenges for tech ecosystem in Ukraine that that uh, actually stops it from growing. First, it's education. We are not talking about it a lot because it's usually boring for people and they're saying, oh, okay, usually they are turning off their podcasts at the, at the point where somebody is saying, oh, IT education. But this, this is an important matter because every time I'm looking on the main Ukrainian website that is the developers org UA that where we see people looking, um, it's actually a vacancy site, uh, we see like around 500 open vacancies and it's from day to day. So the lack of people, the lack of talent is increasing because they are leaving the country. They are not growing as fast as we would like to have it. And the amount of investment that should be made into one person, like from the university, like freshman from college uh, up to like just junior or middle developer is pretty large. 
and the companies are doing it right now, they, they investing themselves. We can say that it would be great that, that we would change our educational system so, so it would become better, but we know that it is not an easy and fast solution. It's like a 10-year solution, not like a one or two-year solution. Second problem is talent drain and people drain when they are moving to EU or US uh, just to have like a similar amount of income, uh, maybe uh, higher taxes, but all in all better quality of life. And how to persuade people, especially of the high level to stay in the country, that's like a second complicated problem that you cannot solve like in one year or two year terms. And uh, the third problem, it's again like unpredictability of the of the rules. That, that's the thing that forbids the, the money to come to the country. So it forbids, uh, it stops the investment of uh, and uh, bigger companies to come into the country. So the third one, we actually can attack as, a, uh, as MPs, as a parliament, as a, uh, actually people who are, who are working to, to improve the thing. So what have we done and how are we planning to change it? The main thing is very simple. We want to make the rules simple, clear, and make sure that everybody agrees on them and nobody interrupts them and uh, that they would last for like another 10 years. And here comes the most complicated part because everybody, like every member of the discussion has different view on what these rules should be. So the uh, government says, we want you to incorporate in Ukraine. Industry says, but we actually don't trust you because you always ask us to do steps forward and then you never compensate on that. And there is like no actual agreement on taxes just yet. That's why there is uh, this initiative, the project that is called DS City, that would uh, create a um, system, the platform where the companies could, uh, the IT companies could incorporate in Ukraine and get the tax vacations or like lower taxes. Uh, they, where they could be protected from the dif from different pressure uh, kinds of pressure from uh, the internal services etc and where uh, they will be rebuilding the in the tech ecosystem in the way that that it would be sustainable fortunately we're out of time but i did want to ask you after your term in parliament is up do you think you'll return to private industry? The politics is very complicated, but it's also very interesting. And I, as a politician right now, I would definitely try to stay in politics to make more changes. But if, um, if there will be no way to influence, I will return to, obviously, to the business and will be working in the country that was changed by my own hands. Kira, thank you so much for joining me today on Made in Ukraine Tech Startup Edition. Thank you. I have been speaking with Kira Rudik, who is a member of parliament in Ukraine, first deputy chairman of the Verkhovna Rada of Ukraine Committee on Digital Transformation, a leader of the Holos Party, and the former COO of the company Ring Ukraine, which was acquired by Amazon for over a billion dollars. And this is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Made in Ukraine Tech Startup Edition, a monthly podcast series about Ukrainian IT and tech companies and the tech ecosystem in Ukraine. Until next time, that's all for now.